0: Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Before we jump into today's show, we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and... Chat about what's going on in Boston politics, and I got to tell you, uh, none of it is particularly pretty. Uh, there is an inordinate amount of drama, and those who have been listening to me in particular for the last several weeks know that uh, to say that I'm displeased is is a tremendous understatement. But we're going to get into that in just a bit. But first, let's let's go to that quick disclaimer. Mm-hmm. or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. As I said before, as I always say, you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston. So I'm going to begin at the beginning. I am completely disgusted with by what i am seeing and hearing on the boston city council and it's it's really it's really sad it really it's it's sad it's sickening it's appalling it's also embarrassing and humiliating and i just really believe that there are some people on the council, not only are they not fit for the seat that they hold on the council, but they are not fit to hold public office, period. I went to, recently, I went to a city council meeting, not in Boston, uh, in a different municipality, and in this particular municipality, the job of a city councilor is part-time. Now, this particular municipality isn't a small one. It's, it's a pretty good size, and there's a lot going on there. Yet, the city councilors are part-time workers. I want to underline that. I want to, I wanted to emphasize that because what struck me about going to this meeting was the knowledge that each and every single counselor possesses. Each and every single counselor on this particular council is very well-informed, is articulate, knows the issues, and has solutions to put forth for them. And I was just blown away. I am blown away because I say to myself, and I also have said to others, including (laughs) some people on this particular body, legislative body, why can't we have that in Boston? Why? Particularly since the Boston City Council, the members are full-time workers. This is what they do. And so this is why I get so upset when you have people who run for one of the seats, one of the 13 seats, and doesn't really know the district or the city that he or she hopes to represent. That's no longer acceptable. And and what has been happening in Boston is that we are voting for identities. We are voting for personalities. We are voting for those who can make the most noise in the room. And we have to stop that because our city has been destroyed. Now, some people might say, well, you think it's bad here. You should go to San Francisco. Why does it need to have to get that bad? When you think about Boston's storied legacy and when you think in history and when you think about, where Boston has been and where it is now. It's shameful. And the Boston City Council plays a, a gargantuan role in that. It's, as I said, it's, it's embarrassing and it's humiliating. Think about it. In the private sector, Do you really think, can someone tell me, just reach out to me, let me know. Do you think that you could get away with or someone else could get away with continually picking fights, shouting out remarks, needling colleagues behind the scenes and in front of the cameras? If it happens to be a job where maybe there are cameras, let, let's strike the cameras. Okay, why don't we? Why don't we say uh, needling colleagues behind the scenes and at meetings? Okay, we'll, well, we'll I'll phrase it like that. Well, that's how we'll we'll put it. Do you think that that kind of behavior would be accepted in the private sector? Of course not. Now. All right, the, there are going to be some people, and they get away with a tremendous amount. And I'm not, I, I'm, I'm I, I really don't want to use the phrase, but for lack of a better term, corporate America. Uh, you know, corporate America is is not what I would call fair. I wouldn't call the personalities that populated necessarily, even particularly affable, right? Still, there's this idea that runs through the private sector, and it's this. If you can't cut the mustard, you're out the door. If you're causing problems, you're out the door. At the very least, you're going to get a warning. You're going to get a sanction. Uh, HR is going to talk to you. Uh, your super immediate supervisor is going to have a, a quiet word. That's how it operates. And quite honestly, I think now, at this point in time, until we can get out, vote, until we can vote out the miserable people who quite frankly, are destroying Boston's political scene, I think we need to have some of those same practices for the public sector. I do, because there's there seems to be this idea that if you are an elected official, you're untouchable, that if you are an elected official, you can say and do as you please as long as During an election year, you shake the right hands, you smile at the right people, and you show up at the right meetings. And I don't have time for that anymore. I don't. I don't understand how we can have a legislative body here in Boston where the members are full time. Once again, I'm going to underline that. They're cashing checks, they have an annual salary, and I've shared, I've share this bit of information as well previously they're making more than several governors and then there are maybe two at least two or three other governors with whom they're on par they, they, their salary is is roughly the same what are we getting for our money do you think I want to tune into a meeting or attend a meeting, and and see people yelling at each other? And so recently, I guess there was a meeting, or in the not too distant past, there was a meeting. Well, actually, why don't I, I focus in on 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 one meeting in particular? And it was one that as as blasé as people have become and as immune as they have become to really this kind of race to the bottom mentality, people were nonetheless, they were shocked. They were shocked. And so there was this one meeting where Kendra Lara uh, was talking about how she was on the receiving end of racist abuse from Boston City Councilor Erin Murphy's sister. Uh, she was talking about how Erin Murphy's sister had organized an online army of trolls, if you will, and I mean th- this is the the crux of it, and that she was on the receiving end; she was subject to. Uh, abuse, harassment, uh, and there was and there was definitely uh, a a race a race element. There was racial animus. Tanya Fernandez Anderson. So Kendra Lara, she is the district counselor for the District Six uh, area in Boston, um, which is. West Roxbury, and it's Jamaica Plain, and it's the back of the hill. Um, that's part of Mission Hill. And for those who, for those of you who are from Mission Hill, who live in Mission Hill, uh, please forgive me when I say. Well, I think of Mission Hill as Roxbury. Please don't, <laughs> please don't accost me in public and and you know verbally and uh, you know say how could you say such a thing. Um, I love the neighborhood of Mission Hill, but I, I do think of it as a, a part of Roxbury, albeit a very independent one with a very distinct character. It's it's a great it's it's a great part of Boston for sure. Uh, uh, it's I, I I enjoy my time there. I I lived there at one point. I went I went to high school uh, in in an area that's adjacent to Mission Hill, so I. I like it very much, so. <laughs> and saying that, I, I think of it in some way. I'll say in some ways as, as a part of Roxbury. Uh, please don't <laughs> don't come after me. I, I come in peace. Um, but, yeah, so uh, Mission Hill. And uh, I have to look at, at the map. Maybe part of Rosendale as well, uh, a bit of that. Um, but definitely uh, West Roxbury and JP and, uh, and some of Mission Hill. And I just I listened to that. I was actually there, right? So I was actually there, um, and I, I was I was disgusted and I was shocked. And I and you know I'm going to keep on using that word because that's really it. Really sums up what I'm feeling, and I'm also infuriated because I I don't want people to to think of boston when they think of boston think of elected officials who who don't even know how to carry themselves who are acting like animals right i'm sorry but animals would know how to act better <laughs> it's 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 just I, i'm sorry that that may sound strong that That may be uh, a shocking statement, but for me it's not. What's shocking is you have people now who show up for meetings, uh, show up to the Boston City Council meetings, rather, and they heckle. And this behavior is encouraged by the behavior that's modeled by some of the Boston City Councilors. If you have Erin Murphy standing up and shouting things out, if you have her releasing statements where she's calling for a colleague to be ousted, and and that's that's just the that's just that's just the appetizer, folks. That's not, we're not even talking about the main course. That that gives a green light to members of the public to show up. And then for their part, disrespect the venue to disrespect the Ionella chamber. That it's it's just it's it's unacceptable. But let me continue to 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 recount what happened on that particular day when I was in the Boston City Council meeting. So, Kendra Lara, um, you know, she called out uh, the behavior of Erin Murphy's sister, and then, and and she and and she also talked about double standards, double standards, expectations uh, for some in a particular role versus others, and and that being race-based, seen through a lens that zeroes in on race. And then Tanya Fernandez Anderson, not to be outdone, slammed the table, swore, and said, you know, essentially, what do I have to do to get respect? Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to play devil's advocate. And I'm going to try to be fair as possible. I am not a fan of Kendra Lara's. She has said some things that I find reprehensible, she holds some views that I find despicable. Having said all that, notwithstanding that, I don't think that that's an invitation. That would never, in a million years, be an, uh, the invitation, uninvitation for me to say something about her ethnic background or her faith. It's just, it's, it's not done, period. And so, any abuse. That she is on the receiving end of, I regret that. Because if you want to deal with Kendra Lara, if you want to effectively counter Kendra Lara and her ideas and her philosophy, you do it by offering an alternative. You do it by recruiting a candidate. You know, and I'm speaking now uh, to members of the public or about members of the public. Recruit, you know, you you want to recruit a candidate. I'm not going to use the imperative. <laughs> uh, I- I'm going to make a statement, a declarative statement. Okay, I'm not urging anyone to do anything. But you 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 would want to, or it would make sense to recruit a candidate so that the public, the voting public. Not just you, but others have a choice. You don't counter what you dislike in Kendra Lara, and you don't counter behavior that she engages in that you also may not dislike, uh, may, may also not like. You don't counter that by targeting her because of her race, her ethnicity, her faith, whatever, her gender. It's just anything. I just, I don't understand why people think that that's acceptable. It's not. And I will be completely honest. At the time, although I was less than enthusiastic, at this point I was definitely not... Uh, a fan of Erin Murphy's either. And uh, I knew, you know, at that point that she wasn't someone I could ever vote for again. Despite that, I did not like what Kendra Lara was saying because I thought, in my mind, that you're there to talk about council matters. You're there to talk about issues in your respective constituencies. And that's where the focus should have been. I think that's where the focus should always be. And I didn't think it was right for her to reference Erin Murphy's sister. So I did make a complaint. I did. And it wasn't about, well, I want Kendra Lara gone. It was along the lines of, this is unacceptable behavior. This is indecorous conduct. We cannot have this. We need a city council that understands what its role is, that understands that being A public servant, you're held to a higher standard and you have to be able to live up to that standard. And if you can't, then you shouldn't be a public servant. But again, I wasn't calling for her ouster, but I was calling for something to be said. And whether it was to Council Alara or whether it was to the council as a whole but something that just served as more than just a stern reminder of what a city councilor is supposed to be, what the expectations are. I now regret that. I now regret that. I still don't think that Kendra Lara should have brought in Erin Murphy's sister, but I think that, Aaron Murphy engages in behavior that's no better. And so what I've noticed is that when the public condemns the behavior of one of these counselors, political perspective fogs up the view. Let me explain. So if someone... Currently, whether it's, it's you know, where a person's heart actually is, uh, a person might find himself on the political right now just because the issues that the person is particularly passionate about, he or she finds a home in terms of stance, perspective on the political right. Or it could be, you know, vice versa. You know, a person could find... Uh, what he or she is looking for in terms of attitude or or, or, uh, stance uh, on a particular uh, topic, And, and he or she might feel more at home on the left, even if a person isn't generally there, even if a person doesn't generally reside there, so to speak, reside, air quotes, but, you know, like, uh, not literally, of course, but figuratively, um, it's where maybe he or she feels at home, most at home for the moment. Okay. So I want to just get that out there, uh, qualify this a little bit, uh, what I'm about to say. If a person's more on the political right or has aligned himself or herself with the political right, then the person is critical of people like Julia Mejia or Kendra Lara or Tanya Fernandez-Anderson. If a person's on the left, the person tends to be critical of Erin Murphy. So what am I saying? Well, it's what I said, I believe, last week and I've said in other shows, and I'm going to keep on saying it. It shouldn't matter what your political perspective is on any given topic. Because how a person executes his or her responsibilities for which he or or she is getting paid, that political perspective, political affiliation should not come into in any way, shape, or form. And there should be a consistency. So if Counselor X does B and B is wrong, say something. But if Counselor Y engages in the same behavior or similar behavior, don't give that person a pass. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am a conservative woman. I've made no bones about my party affiliation. I, I was going to say but, but it, it's and. That's the word I'm and. Uh, I would like to see more conservatives on the Boston City Council and i would like to see republicans on the boston city council oh yes oh yes <laughs> but i i just i'm not going to give someone a pass for bad behavior because the person is considered conservative and for the record i've i've said that I don't see Erin Murphy as a conservative or even a moderate. She is very much on the left. Moreover, I've also been up up front and and what I think of this latest uh, spat. It's not even spat because spat is something minor, right? A feud on the Boston City Council, this latest round of drama um, that's taking place uh this is this is a fight among the political left, right? The left the left faction, left wing faction of the Democratic Party. That's what this is. I mean, if you do if you if you do want to uh, talk about political perspective and affiliation, here it would be appropriate because that's what's going on. But I think most people will probably consider Ricardo Arroyo as an example. He's on the left. Oh, Emma Murphy's on the right. Well, not true, but that's what a lot of people think, right? And so uh, people give this one a pass or that one a pass based on similitudes, right, based on Ideological similarities. And I'm saying, no, we got to stop that. We need the best city council possible. And again, while I would like a lot more conservatives, uh, I don't need all Republicans. In fact, I don't think that would be a good thing. But we do need some Republicans. We do need some true conservatives. We should, or I should say, some more conservatives, some more moderates, because we we want to get things done. And we want to move forward in the most intelligent and empathetic way possible. And I think that that can only be done when we have a variety of views. And I don't really think we have that right now in the Boston City Council. Right? But to finish off, you know, my little... uh my recount, if you will, recounting of, of what I saw at that particular Boston City Council meeting. And for a little bit, people would say that meeting, and it was understood that it was the one that I've been describing to you. Since then, poor President Flynn, um, for those of you who are less familiar with the Boston City Council, the, the president of the Boston City Council is Ed Flynn and I love him he's fantastic and what he has to deal with it's it's just it's shameful it's it's, it's just it's 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 absolutely disgusting there's that word again disgusting <laughs> I'm using it again um but it's just you know since that that meeting there have been many that meetings and it's 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 always it's not well, I hope we can get through this or what's going to happen in this meeting. Um, or actually, let me hit the rewind button. It's it's not, is this meeting going to be, you know, is it going to uh, unfold without issue? That's, that's not what it is at this point. Not anymore. It's what's going to happen. There we go. <laughs> uh, get my thoughts there and uh, express them. Uh, as they're as they're coming to me. <laughs> um, it's it's what's going to happen because there's now, speaking of expectations, uh, we don't have expectations for most of our counselors anymore because they're so horrible. but we have expectations as to how, the unsuitability of these particular council councilors, how it's going to impact the operations and and, and uh, the the unfolding or uh, the transpiring of of the meeting. So, it's just it's it's a, it's a clown show, it's a circus show, it's a sideshow, and we just we 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 deserve so much better. We deserve so much better. And that's why people need to vote. That's one thing I will urge. People need to start voting. People need to start voting. People are so mad at Michelle Wu. Why are you mad at Michelle? Did you vote? If you didn't vote, that it's on you. And then, of course, you know, if you say this to someone who didn't vote, who rants about Michelle Wu regularly, you'll you'll be met with, well, we didn't have a choice. I'm sorry, but you always get out and vote. You have to. I mean, there's so many people who sacrifice so much, even their lives, so that all Americans can vote. I've said this so many times before. If you look at the Constitution, the Constitution, right, capital C, we we have what is it? We have the Fourteenth Amendment, right? Uh, Let me let me just grab. Hold, hold, I'm gonna actually. You know what? Um, After I go to break, I'm going to pull up the Constitution on my phone. I have a lot of this in my head, but I wanna I wanna get it right. Um, But we have what, four uh, amendments, constitutional amendments that focus on voting. It's important. It's important if you don't vote. And what I've started to add is if you don't vote informed, well, what the heck do you think you're going to get? If you don't vote at all, I mean, that's just, there are no excuses. But if you vote, but you're not doing so knowledgeably and then you don't hold the people for whom you voted accountable or you don't have any expectations for that person and you don't ask that person any questions, then why did you bother to vote? I'm not saying then that, oh, well, I'd prefer that if a person's not going to go into the voting booth knowledgeable, then the person shouldn't vote at all. I, I don't want to say that, but at the same time, I, I I would think that being knowledgeable, that's baked in to showing up to vote. You don't just vote willy-nilly. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh my goodness. Ah <laughs> all right. Let let me go to break. We're gonna to go to a break. Um we're gonna to continue to talk about Uh, the Boston City Council. Uh, Boston City Council has gone wild. Um, But we're going to talk about uh, a few other things um, because I'm not too thrilled about the activists that we have. Uh, We have uh, activists who are no better than some of these counselors because they're very self-serving. They make a lot of noise. uh, But at the end of the day, they don't have anything... To show for it, there are no deliverables. And that's what I'm going to increasingly talk about, deliverables. Where are the deliverables? And if they're not there, then I don't really want to hear you anymore. But we're going to continue to talk about that and maybe a little bit more. Uh, but first, let's go to a bit of a break. People won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, can potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to RealDealOnFentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify, and how to enroll at fcc.gov ACP, or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM, Boston. Uh, For the people who listen to Bostonian Rap regularly, I thank you so much. I I really, truly am grateful. Uh, This is one of my babies, and I've been doing this, oh my gosh, I think I shared uh, once that I've been doing this for about 15 years. So I... uh, you know, I, 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 in every show, I, I I try to do more than, well, I hope I don't rant. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope I don't do that at all. Um, but in every show, I, I try to introduce a perspective. And I invite people to consider it. Now, someone might walk away and say, you know what, Rachel? I think that Kendra Lara is a fantastic city councilor. And you know what I'll say? I'll say, you know what? That's your right. But thank you for listening. Someone might say, you know what, Rachel, I think Erin Murphy is fantastic. Uh, I I think she's doing a really good job. I think Tanya Fernandez Anderson has uh, a great way about her. And and I think that she's introducing a fresh energy into st- the stodgy Ianella Chambers. And I think she's doing a great job. Again, you know, if if someone says any of that or all of that, I, people have the right to think what they want. I don't have the right to dictate to what others think. I always say that my views are not the views of BNN. They're the views of Rachel Meiselman. And again, I invite people to consider this perspective. And above all, I just... I I want people to think about what they want, how they can get it, what the responsibilities are for others, uh, you know, particularly those that serve us, especially those that serve us. Um, But I, I also like to encourage people to think about the responsibilities they themselves have. And I always start with myself. Like, what, what should I be doing? What kind of behavior should I be modeling? And, and you know, what does it mean to live in a society, live in a community, live in a city, and, and want to be active? What does that mean? Because it's not about just standing up and getting attention. It's not about knowing people and having people know you that's that's not what it's it's about it's it's about identifying a problem and trying to resolve it it's about maybe seeing something that's good and making sure that it remains good and and maybe seeing how it can become better but the idea is is community the idea is people and it's it's always about Trying to make things better. That's the ideal. And the one thing you never want to do is make things worse. Right? So I said that I would pull up um, the Constitution, and I think it's an incredible document. And, and I love people who have literally, like, absolutely no background in law, and, and they'll, they'll try to lecture you on the Constitution, I do have a background in law. Um, I trained as a barrister. And um, I've, you know, studied. I've taken legal courses here, and I've done some work um, in the criminal justice system, you know, in the the legal field. Um, So I'm not without knowledge uh on either side of the pond. Um, so what I'm trying to say and I'm not, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to say more, I don't want to say less. I just want to say that I come with some information, <laughs> with some training, um, with some knowledge. And I think that it's a document that is 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 very simple yet, it does give rise to some complexities. and I think it's I think it's a beautifully, beautifully, beautifully crafted uh, legal document. but but my point is is that when I see people who are um, <laughs> lecturing others on the Constitution, they have absolutely no background and they're so cockeyed sure of themselves. I have to laugh because it's like, oh, I guess you must be intelligent because I would never. Try to lecture other people on the Constitution. Uh, And uh, notwithstanding my background, uh, I I just because it's just if I do talk about it, I I really want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. And more likely than not, you know, I'll confer with someone who has more of a foundation and more experience than I am so that. You know the way I'm looking at something, the way I'm interpreting it, the way I'm presenting the information that I have—it's—it's it's accurate, you know. But that—that that kind of uh, those kind of uh, concerns don't seem to <laughs> uh, uh, don't th- don't seem to matter with some people. But okay, so here are the amendments to the U.S. Constitution that you know focus on. That focus on uh, voting right voting rights so we have the 15th amendment so forgive me I start to say the 14th and I stopped myself because I said no 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 it's not the 14th it's the 15th but I I, I really wanted to I wanted to pull it up because I again I want to get it right um and so it gave black men the right to vote because of course uh, black women could not vote and um, I think I've shared this before that. Women in some parts of the country could vote uh, before uh, the 19th Amendment was ratified in uh, 1920. Uh, They could vote, but it was, you know, we were talking about local elections, right, in some places. Um, And then that leads me to the next one, the 19th Amendment, which gave all women, all American women, the right to vote. Then you have the 24th Amendment. And this one, this one's really i, I think—I mean—all of the of the amendments that touch upon uh, voting rights are are particularly worth the study. But for me, the Twenty Fourth Amendment, it, it it presents a very Specific picture. It gives it gives you uh, rather a, a very specific example of why people fought so hard and 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 just how bad it was. You know, you okay, black men were given the right to vote. Okay, so we we do know about slavery. We know that the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth amendment. You know, is from the Reconstruction era. And it was meant to those constitutional amendments to address the horrible, horrible, horrific injustices that blacks had suffered in this country. Now, of course, you have the 14th Amendment and there are parts of that that have been applied, that have been invoked. By people, regardless of race or, or or gender, but when you think of the Fourteenth Amendment or the Fifteenth or the Thirteenth, you generally think of them with the other two amendments, right? And you think of them as this 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 uh, package from the Reconstruction uh, era that was meant to, in some way. Start righting the wrongs that blacks had the the horrible, wicked wrongs that blacks had suffered in this country. Um, so the twenty fourth amendment talks about poll taxes, and what people have to know or remember, either or, hopefully, it's remember because uh, I I would hope that people would know this, but I'm not so sure. Um, blacks were Controlled, very much so in many parts of the country, um, economically. What they could do, they were restricted. And so because they were restricted, it, it then meant that they were only going to be making X amount of dollars. They could only be able to do certain things because they were only making certain amounts of money. They were limited as to what they could do. And there were a number of Blacks at the time, for a long time, not all, but certainly a lot, that were poor. And so the poll tax, it was it was cruel. It was another way to keep Blacks from enjoying their full status uh, uh, as citizens now of course it was it was also cruel to poor whites <coughs> but because black people there was this ugly ugly chapter in american history <coughs> it was this this particular po- this poll tax was I think, um, especially malicious. It was, it was, it was, it was um, especially what word can I, I think morally repugnant phrase, not word phrase. Um, we have the Twenty Sixth Amendment, which was ratified in nineteen seventy one, and that lowered the voting age for all uh, elections to eighteen. And I want to say that there's another amendment relative to D.C. Um, So let me just, uh, so I'm just like, you know, going through. Um, Here we go. So I'm looking, looking, looking. I'll get you more information on that because, okay, let's see. Uh-huh. I'll pull that up because I I should know this better, so forgive me, but I want to get that information right. But we have at least four amendments, right? So uh, granting black men the right to vote, granting all women the right to vote, <coughs> eliminating the poll tax, which was a barrier for poor people, of all colors, but it was particularly aimed at blacks. Um, I mean, it was it was meant to, as I said, to keep blacks from enjoying uh, their status as full citizens. Um, and then you have the lowering the age, uh, voting age to 18. Um, so you had college students then could vote, right? So we have This this history, this multifaceted, this multidimensional history that revolves around voting. And yet people can't do it. There are no excuses. Vote. Vote. And so after Limbasting members of the Boston City Council, and I don't care because it's deserved. It's deserved. Our schools, I mean, education is the currency. That's Boston's currency. For the Boston public schools to be in such horrible shape, it's, again, this is another source of tremendous embarrassment. It's humiliating. And it's also, it, it, it makes me angry, very angry, even furious, because what kind of future... Are you trying to promise our youth? Now, don't get me wrong. We have some phenomenal educators. We really do. Um, Those who teach, those who might work in administration, maybe some who do both in the Boston Public Schools. And I am so unbelievably grateful to them. I see them. I appreciate them. I cannot stress that enough. But, The overall system is not working, and for those particular educators, their job that might be trying at times is made that much more challenging, right? So that's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about personal grievances. I don't. I don't want people to feel like they can go to the INLA Chamber where city council meetings are generally held and feel like they can heckle. I want people to walk into the INLA Chamber and say, "Ah, this, this, this is a place. This place is serious. This place is, is worthy of my respect. Uh, and I have to act accordingly. I have to dress a certain way. I have to act a certain way. We even have fights breaking out now. That can't continue. And quite frankly, anyone who's involved with encouraging this behavior in any way, shape, or form, that person should be publicly reprimanded. Again, maybe we should have, or or I think definitely, some of the expectations um using that word again that word's been used a lot in tonight's show expectations in the private sector i think there should be there should be some of those same expectations in the public sector really we have a horrible drug problem in Boston and 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 you know, I said I wanted to say a, a, a few words about um, the activists because I think some of the activists, they're just as bad and they're just as useless and they're just as ignorant and they're just as power hungry. they're just as attention seeking. And they're just as insignificant at the end of the day. So you have people who want to talk about drugs. They don't even know what drugs are out there. They don't even know what's going on, but they just talk. And none of them have any plans. None of them have any solutions. This idea of taking photographs and tagging public servants, we're we're so far beyond that and a lot of people do it a lot i'm not when i'm saying that i'm not singling any one person out you know we're so far beyond that we need to get boston's economy up and running because i do think it took a serious hit that we haven't even begun to recover from uh, a serious hit from the pandemic i mean i could go on and on we just have so many issues And I'm tired of people who want the spotlight, but they have yet to give anybody a reason as to why they should be there. That's all I have time for today, but I invite you to listen to me next week. I thank you so much for hanging out. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you've been listening to me on Bostonian Rap. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network.